0: Hello, I am Dan Marino. Welcome to The Conversation Weekly. Today, we've got another episode for you as part of our Discovery Series, where we talk to one researcher about something really cool they've been working on and that we think you might want to hear about. In this episode, I spoke with Barbara Freitas, a PhD student at the National Museum of Natural Sciences in Madrid, Barbara researches how birdsong plays a role in speciation, the process by which different populations of the same animal evolve to become distinct species. Back in 2017, when she was working on her master's degree, Barbara was part of the team that confirmed the existence of a new species of owl, living on a little island called Principe. This is part of the Democratic Republic of Sao Tome and Principe off the coast of Central Africa. The story all started back in 1998, when one of Barbara's professors, an evolutionary biologist named Martin Mello, was doing some research on Principe Island.
1: He was there studying another species in Principe. And when he was in the field, he was with some guides. They told him about some uh, experiences that they had before. So it happened twice. They told him that people that went high in the trees to catch some parrot chicks, because they, they were parrot harassers. And instead of finding the parrot chicks, actually, they found a weird bird with so big eyes that they didn't know what they were. And they were a bit scared.
0: <laughs> During his visit in 1998, Martin was able to capture an audio recording of what he believed was the call of this mystery bird that had scared the local parrot harvesters. Unfortunately, on that trip, though, he never actually saw one.
1: Later on, in two thousand and seventeen, I started my master, and I was trying to find what would be a nice project to work on for my master thesis. And I found the work of Martin, and he told me about all these stories. So I was, wow, okay, I want to discover more about this species. Because back then, I only found about these um, weird animals and immediately thought that it could be owls. But it was weird because there was no previous on for owls on the islands. Previously, ornithologists have been there, just a few, but they didn't wrote oh, anything about owls. So it was a bit of a mystery.
0: Because if you hear stories like big eyes sitting in a little roost in a tree, like it sounds like an owl, right? Okay, so if there's no owls on Principe, like... You got a mystery on your hands.
1: Exactly. So, okay, it's a mystery. Let's solve it. Another researcher, uh, Rita Kovas, went to the American Museum of uh, Natural History, and she found in the archives that there was a letter from a previous bird collector in 1928, uh, was in Principe, and he wrote in this letter for his boss in the museum, telling that he couldn't find any owl, but people there already told him that. There might be an owl, but it was so rare that they could only see one or, or two in 10 years. So it was, okay, maybe people already saw some here before. Okay. So it was like one more piece to the puzzle. Philippe Verbuen, um, a Belgian bird watcher, that is an uh, owl lover, he went to Prinsby P- and in 2016 he could take a picture of, of the owl in the island. So that was the first... A big step and uh, first proof of the occurrence of uh, an owl in principle.
0: So at this point, there are, were local tales, audio recordings, and even photographic evidence to support the idea that there was a new species of owl living on Prince Bay Island. But to actually prove that this was a new species of owl, genetically distinct from other known owl species, Barbara and her colleagues would need to capture one. And to do that, she needed to actually go to Principe. So off she went with Martine. Can you describe what the island is like and the habitat that's there and the ecosystems and what it's like to go there?
1: Yeah, in fact, uh, Prince is uh, super small. It has only 139 square kilometres, so it's really tiny. And uh, it is more or less divided in two parts. So the north is uh, where people live, and in terms of habitat, is already super modified compared to what it was in the original of the island. So it's more with plantations of cacao. But still, the main town is the second smallest city in the world And then the south is uh, where the native forests are. So it's a protected area, the principal natural park. And it's restricted, so you can only go there with uh, permits. And it's a rainforest, so it's super humid. It rains a lot there. You feel the humidity, it's a bit uh, difficult to walk there as well. It's the steepest area in the island because it matches the part of the island where the mountains are. So it's a bit difficult and tricky sometimes to walk there. (laughs) What we have to do is go to Saint Tome, the other island of the country, and then fly with the smaller airplane to Princip. But before, it was only by boat.
0: Okay, so you know your first trip down there. Do you remember flying in and? What was it like to come in from the south and see this like giant mountain where presumably there's a couple owls living? What was it like there?
1: It's impressive because you only see green. You cannot see anything because the rainforest is so dense and you only see the top of the trees and you cannot see down. And the contrast with the ocean is really fascinating. And you are like, wow. It's just, you are just uh, enjoying the view. <laughs>
0: Okay, so you land there. You guys had this photo from 2016 from that Belgian bird watcher. You were pretty sure there was an owl that was living there, undescribed. So when you first landed, what was the kind of game plan? What did you guys do?
1: So first we tried to test our protocol in the north part of the island because we still had to check if the owl was in the north, although all the times that it was uh, listened, it was in the south, and the, the photo comes from the south. But we still had to check, so we had to do this by night because it's the activity period of this kind of species. And we stop in 200 meters and we, we stopped to listen if there is any owl singing. If not, we put a playback to try to see if they reply.
0: What Barbara and Martine were doing was just basically going out into the jungle and playing an owl call, the recording that Martine had made on his first trip to Principe in 1998. The hope was that by playing this recording, another owl out in the woods somewhere would either respond with its own call or, better yet, fly towards the sound. Biologists use this call and response method a lot to study owls.
1: It was this method that helped Philip to attract the bird for him to take a photo.
0: Okay, so Philip, the Belgian bird watcher, used this method to get a photo of the owl. Do you know why playing an owl call will attract other owls?
1: Because they listen to the song, and they are attracted to it, because they are territorial, so they come to defend the oh. territory.
0: So, I mean, you, you study uh, vocalizations and speciation. so when you heard this call the, that Martin played for you, did, did you go, Oh, that's an owl? Or were you, like, unsure? Does it sound like an owl vocalization?
1: Well, yeah, it was my master, so I, I, it was for me the first time that I would work with uh, vocalizations.
0: But uh, okay. yeah,
1: if you listen to that, it, it, okay, it seems like an owl. But when you are in the forest and there's so many species there that you actually mm, don't have so much information on them that you actually sure. can see. Oh, maybe it's a uh, weird insects also. Uh, sure,
0: sure. <laughs> it's tropical a, jungle, it's right? It's difficult. loud.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So it's a bit tricky, I think.
0: Okay, so that's what you guys were doing. You were going out and exactly. playing the calls and hoping to hear one respond. So you start doing this in the northern half of the island.
1: Did not hear anything?
0: Happened. Nothing. No. Okay.
1: I was like, okay, uh, I will do this for the rest of these three months. I won't to listen to anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew that it was difficult to get to then because it was like a, a story that started many, many years ago. So I knew that it was going to be a bit hard. But then some days after, we went to the south part of the island. There's specific points where you can go by boat and jump into the beach. We took all our backpacks for, we were planning to stay there for 13 days. So we had to pack all the food as well, all all the equipment. So we were a bit uh, heavy.
0: And are you setting up camp on the beach or are you like hiking in and setting up a camp in, in the jungle a little bit more? Yeah,
1: we walk a bit more and uh, we set our camping uh, places where we camp all the time that we go there. So we walk like one hour or two. Uh, and like and you've got
0: 13 w- days worth of food, but also like your gear and your measurement equipment and like all the stuff.
1: Exactly. It was it <laughs> was really there. So I was living the full, ex- I was having the full experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very much so. I thought for myself, wow, I mean, I'm really doing this for, I mean... <laughs> for me, it was and uh, I was yeah. doing the master, and it was for that that I chose to go for biology. So I was yeah. like, "Okay, this is the cool. good thing to do." Yeah. So then we started walking, and we set the camping. Um, we put the um, the sleeping nets, and we just wait a bit until it gets some dark, and then suddenly we started all to weird. Th- oh, and I was like, "Wow, it's happening already <laughs> in the first night. I can he- I can listen to it."
0: were you guys blasting the calls, or did you just hear it without even you guys calling?
1: No, this time we were just waiting a bit because it was not dark. It was, like, getting dark still, and we were just making time to leave. So we were, like, talking, like, around Mm -hmm, the the mm -hmm. fire or something, and we started to listen, and Martin told me, okay, this is the song that you have to look for. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And what was that moment like? I mean, you've been, you travel all this way, and you're... You find nothing in the northern part of the island and then you like hear the call of a new species what was that like that's got to be really cool
1: yeah we, because actually we were super relaxed just uh, waiting for the time to go out and then we started to listen so i was like Whoa, it's really happening so it's real <laughs> and i'm leaving that so it's uh, always a special feeling yeah
0: so you found the owl it's here uh, now you got to like learn about it. So describe what your approach was to describing the
1: species. So for the description, we had to put multiple evidence together. So we had to study the vocalizations, but also the morphology, so the size of the bird and also the color patterns of the feathers. And um, the genetic history, so how oh, it was related with the other owl uh, species that we already knew. So, we need, for the genetic part, we needed more samples. Every species that is classified as a new species has to have a holotype, that is like the example. For us to know what it looks like, because one is not enough, so we need to capture more, just to also measure the wings and the, the bodies, and also to take some blood for the genetic part, and we had to record more individuals. So the first night actually, it was very special because it was not only the first night that we listened to the owl, but it was also the first night where we both saw the owl for the first time, me and Oh wow! Oh, wow. So, yeah, it was quite an important night for us, yeah. So we were here waiting for the time and we started to listen, then we waited a bit more, like. We were already super happy and we did the transit, so in each point we would stop, listen uh, try to note how many individuals and from which direction they would come and we did this for one kilometer, let's say. And uh, while we were doing these transits, every time that we listened uh, out, we were also recording them because we had to use these recordings to analyze the songs. And then in the end we had to come back, so we thought, okay, let's try to attract one out just to see it and just to see how they are, or if we can have some more clues about their behavior. So we put the playback of the song and one started to reply, so we were, okay, okay, it's getting closer and closer. And we did that a couple of times and... It, it was, like, super close to us, so we just turned on the headlights, and it was just on top of us, so it was like, Oh, wow. wow!
0: Cool. And what did it look like? So what does this owl look like?
1: It was super tiny. It was super difficult to see it, actually, so we, we felt super lucky, but it was really, really, it, it felt really, really special, to and for me, I was not expecting it at all, because I mean, I heard that story and it took so many years to get us there that I was not believing that it would happen the first night.
0: Describe the owl for us.
1: These scops owls are more or less all the owls have evolved to be difficult to spot during the day because they are more active at the evening and at night. So during the day, they are resting close to the trees, so they have to camouflage. So they are like brownish and grayish, but with the pattern, although the pattern of this owl is different from the others, when you are seeing it in the field, it's super difficult to spot the differences. Sure, sure.
0: And how big are we talking here?
1: 19 centimeters, 20 centimeters. Oh, pretty small. So yeah, you you can actually have it in your hand almost. So it's really, really (laughs) tiny.
0: (laughs) You mentioned you needed to collect other specimens. So how did you guys go about doing that? What was your capturing approach?
1: Before uh, getting dark, we would put these uh, nets, these special nets to capture um, birds. that They are so thin that you cannot uh, see it when they are set. And for these species, we have to put it uh, really high because they are high in the canopy so we have to put it like um, 10 meters high let's say oh wow so we have we usually we put like three uh, nets in different directions but in the place that we uh, already heard house around there and then we would play the recording to attract the bird and we, we were like walking around the nets to see if they would approach and get trapped in the nets and then We just go there, we take them out, and we started to measure them and take some photos also to know how they are in terms of color patterns. We take the blood sample and so on.
0: All right. So um, give us the name. We've called it the owl this whole time. What's the name of the owl, both the uh, Latin and common name?
1: Uh, The English common name is uh, Princep's scops Owl, and the Latin name is Otus Biggila. The scientific names have always two names. The first one is related to the genus, so it makes part of this uh, type of owls called otush. And the second part of the name, you, the people that describe it can choose. So, Vikjiwa is also, now is the name of the bird, but it's also the nickname of a local park ranger. That uh, every time that we went to the field, he came with us. And in the first moment, it was him telling Martin Melo about these weird animals that some uh, parrot harvest uh, saw high in the trees. So he kind of started all this story, and he was also um, a parrot in the beginning. He knew really, really well the south forest, so going with him in the field is like He knows really well the forest. So we uh, just to say, we want uh, to go to a forest like this where we think that the owls are going and uh, for the nets, we have to put them really high. And he he really helped us a lot. So
0: Was he there on your guys' first trip when you saw the owl and captured it and everything?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was. Every time that uh, I went to the field, it was with me, and also before when uh, Martin, Martin started in 1998 to go to Principe, and every time that he, he went there, Big Sheila was there with him in the field.
0: Big Sheila continues to help the research. He monitors a system of automatic recorders that Barbara and her colleagues set up before they left the island. It's these recorders that allow them to capture owl vocalizations, pinpoint where exactly the owls live, and even how many individuals there are on the island. Barbara's expertise in birdsong also allowed her to do something really cool with all of the recordings that they had gathered.
1: We use those recordings to see if there was an individual signature from like if each individual had a, a different song or if it was possible to distinguish also between males and females. And it's uh, really incredible the number of things that you can get from this kind of information. So, And,
0: and you're successfully finding individual signatures and male-female differences?
1: So we have a, a low sample sizes because we only put some recordings, but uh, it seems there there is. So, and also between male and female. So it seems that it's possible to distinguish them in, with the recordings. And we can also teach the software how to identify this. And maybe in future, we can also automatically have the information if it is a female or if it is a male.
0: From the data that Barbara and her colleagues have gathered, they estimate that there are between about A thousand and fifteen hundred owls total on the island of Principe. It appears that this tiny population is found exclusively in approximately 35 square kilometers or just over 13 square miles of the remote old growth forest in the southern part of the island that is uninhabited by humans. At this point, they are still gathering the basic data about this new population of owls.
1: We also don't know about any population trends. So we don't know if the population is growing or if they are dying because there is only this study. But still... We think because it is a so small area that it is living and is so uh, vulnerable to any change to the habitat.
0: Because of this owl's small population size and the fact that it only lives in this one small old growth ecosystem on the southern half of Principe Island, there is a real risk that any changes to that ecosystem could have negative effects on the owl population. And unfortunately, there is a threat to that ecosystem happening right now.
1: There's a point for an electrical dam super close to the natural park. And there's an area being affected within the natural park. So the government might not know about the owl, but they knew about other endangered species living in the forest and still this is going ahead. So we think that these species must be protected and monitored accordingly.
0: Barbara and her colleagues are working to have the Princip Scops Owl added as an endangered species to the International Union for the Conservation of Nature, or IUCN's, Red List
1: we proposed uh, to be classified as critically endangered but we have to wait for sure. it to be accepted or not
0: well um i guess yay you found the new species of owls uh but still some work to be done and, and things to be worried about so are you headed back to the island anytime soon and what's kind of the future look of the research
1: So I think this conservation program with the automatic uh, recordings and uh, detection is going to be a really nice tool to use for the owl and for other species because we need to know how it is evolving the population and so on. Also, we don't know for sure what it is eating. So about the diet, it was not studied yet yet all the the interactions with the other species we don't this is just the the starting point from now on there is a plenty of things to discover about this species
0: well um thank you so much barbara i wish you all the best on your future trips down to the island and um please do keep us in the loop we'd love to hear more about kind of what's going on with the owl and thanks for sharing your time and your your knowledge with us it's been a pleasure
1: yeah, thank you so much it was also a pleasure for me
0: We want to give a huge thank you to Barbara Freitas and our colleague, Claudio Lorenza Rubiera, at The Conversation, who worked with her on the original story. And if you're listening to this and wondering what the Principe Scops Owl looks like, we put a link in our show notes to an article in The Conversation that features photos by Barbara and her colleagues. This Discovery episode of The Conversation Weekly was written and produced by Katie Flood. Sound design is by Eloise Stevens, and our theme music is by Nietzsche Sorrow. Our global executive editor is Stephen Kahn. Our executive producer is Mend Marawani, and Alice Mason does our social media. You can find us on Twitter at TC underscore audio, on Instagram at theconversation.com, or email us podcast at theconversation.com. And don't forget, you can sign up for our free daily newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. If you like what we do, please support the podcast and the conversation generally by going to donate.theconversation.com. I am Dan Marino. It's been a pleasure as always. Thanks so much for listening.